What's up, boxing fans? This is Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. In this podcast, JJ gives an in-depth analysis of nearly every fight, from undercards to main events. Now, let's get into the ring. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sides of Boxing. I am your host, JJ Sermon, and on today's episode, I'm going to go over a few important fights that happened this past weekend, including Jamel Heron and his controversial win, as well as your Dennis Ugas versus Abel Ramos. So let's get straight into it. All right, so to start things off, I'm going to get into the Jamel Herring fight versus Jonathan Oquendo. Jamel Heron came into this fight with 21 wins, 2 losses, and 10 KOs versus Jonathan Oquendo, who came into this fight with 31 wins, 6 losses, and 19 KOs. And this is in the junior lightweight division, so the 130-pound division. It's a 12-round fight, and it was for Jamel's uh, Heron's uh, WBO belt. So this fight right here, we all expected Jamel Heron to just dominate him and get ready for the Carl Frampton fight. Um, as his next opponent, but it didn't go as we thought it would. And Jonathan Oquendo is just uh, kind of like a bully fighter. He's going to come for more so like a pressure fighter. I wouldn't say he's a bully because he's small. So, like, I would say he's a pressure fighter. He just comes for, you know, these type of boxers who just know how to brawl. And that's what they're good at. And, like, that's what he was doing. He was coming in, throwing uh, a lot of shots at uh, Jamel Herring. But it also was very awkward because um they were opposites one of them was a southpaw one of them was orthodox so that leads to a lot of headbutts that leads to a lot of like confusion um in the ring with regards to footwork so uh, from both fighters so that's what happened and the fight was kind of going Jamel Heron was kind of doing a good job trying to keep the distance as much as he could but as the rounds kept going on you started to see that uh, Jamel Heron was not handling the pressure that well and this is when the fight started shifting but as soon as it was kind of changing in the fifth round they had a massive headbutt like and it hit um Jamel Heron and cut above his eye and or one of his eyes and it led to a lot of bleeding just like a normal cut that you kind of see in boxing like similar to like a Tyson Fury cut against the Otto Wallen those type of things and it just led to a lot of bleeding and so when it happened like yeah it was a big deal and like they was about to stop the fight I thought or I thought he could probably push through because it wasn't like right at his like it wasn't right there to the point where he couldn't see. Once they, like, like cleaned it up, like, the bleeding could stop. So that's what they continued to do. Round six came, and you started seeing the, it started really shifting. Aquindo would just get into Jamel Heron, and Jamel did not like it. Now, point given, Aquindo was kind of doing dirty tactics, but at the same time, it just looked like he was just attacking him and just constantly putting pressure because he knew that Jamel Heron did not like pressure like that. So he just kept doing it. And then like six, seven, and then round eight, this is the most bizarre thing that I've seen. So it seemed like um, when he got back to his corner, it seemed like that Jamel Heron in his corner, uh, Bo Mac and them were talking about like Bo Mac was just like he can't see out his out his eye, man. He can't see out his eye, and I'm just like, what what's going on? Like he can't. He just fought two more rounds or three more rounds, literally, like with his eye, like like gone, like like with I mean not with his eye gone, but he fought like two two to three more rounds, like with his eye, like like being like that. They, like they should have stopped it in round five if that was the case. 
but they kept it going. So I'm like, what's the difference? Like, and then, but he kept saying it. Bo Mack was telling the referee, and then they was all kind of looking confused. But Bo Mack was just like, yo, he can't see. I don't know how you going to fight. And then, like, uh, Jamel Heron wasn't saying nothing. Like, he was just letting his trainer just go off. And, like, I got respect for Bo Mack, but, like, what he was doing was kind of bizarre, man. And I was just like, what is going on? And then out of nowhere, like, Jamel looked like he didn't want to fight no more. And so the ref just called it off because they looked like they didn't want to fight no more. And then they literally called the fight off. And I was like, no, God! No, God, please, no! 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 You guys to be kidding me. Like, nothing happened. Like, they just literally, like, quit on the stool. That's what it really felt like to me. And I was just like, this is ridiculous, man. And then there was supposed to be, uh, I thought it was going to go to the scorecards, but due to that, that, that headbutt that happened, the referee pretty much, uh, I want to say it was Tony Weeks, he ended up saying that it was intentional. So he made uh, Quinda lose a point even in that round as well in round five. But um, in that case, it was, it was just a hot mess. Like, like with it being intentional now, it was a, ended up being a disqualification. And then with the disqualification, that means Jamel Heron automatically wins, which I kind of figured they knew that, which is why they was doing this. But it just really felt like Jamel Heron quit. And even Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley said the same thing. Like, if you got a cut, man, you can fight through this. That's what championship fighters do. They fight through adversity, man. It just felt like Jamel didn't want to be in the ring no more with Oquindo because of his, his uh, constant uh, pressure. And that's what it felt like. And I got a lot of... Like I said, I, I respect Bo Mack, I respect Jamel Heron, but like that was a real, real bizarre move, man. I keep saying bizarre because it was just, it was so out of left field, especially from him. Like you don't really see somebody of his character to do something like that, but when he did it, it just really shocked you. And yeah, that's just how the fight ended. I want to point out too that Jamel did uh, get a knockdown early in one of those rounds, but like I didn't really even have to mention it because... Like, the way that it ended didn't didn't even matter. That knockdown really didn't even matter. So, it is what it is. But Jamel uh, ends up, he won. So, now he's going to end up fighting Carl Frampton. Even though the WBO ordered that he fights uh, the number one mandatory, which is Shakur Stevenson. So, like, we'll see how that goes. It's mainly going to be Carl Frampton. So, we'll see how that goes. But he did get um, some damages. So, he may be out to next year hopefully he can fight this year the end of this year but um we will see jamel hearing in the ring by the end of this year or early next year either against carl frampton uh which is the the favorite who he's probably more than likely going to fight or shakur stevenson which i don't think is likely um just due to the circumstances and things of that nature but that's what i gotta say that's all i have to say about this fight now i'm going to move on to the fight with your dennis ugas versus abel ramos Your Dennis Ugas came into this fight with 25 wins, 4 losses, and 12 KOs versus Abel Ramos, who came into this fight with 26 wins, 3 losses, and 2 draws with 20 KOs. This is in the welterweight division, and it was a 12-round fight. And this was for the WBA regular uh, title. So Manny Pacquiao has the uh, super, so like the more official uh, belt, but he's whoever the winner of this one was going to get the 
a WBA regular belt. So it's still a kind of like a big deal in a sense. So first things first, I want to talk about Fox and what they did uh, throughout this um, main event fight leading up to it. I want to say that the fight for Eugenius Ugas versus Abel Ramos seemed very, very um, biased in a sense because they were telling a lot of stories about uh, Abel Ramos as well as like uh, Jesus Ramos. Like, which is his nephew. Um, and it was just kind of like a nice, like, family story that was going through with regards to them. Like, and I really noticed, like, like, or Dennis Uga should be the favorite in this fight. But it really didn't feel like it leading up until they actually got in the ring. Because it was just so much going on with regards to um, the uncle and the nephew fighting on the same, like, night and things like that on the same car and it was just that type of thing now i'm not saying that uh they shouldn't have stuff like that because they should i mean you should promote stories because stories is what sells like getting a connection with the fighter sells however sometimes i do feel like they do that with regards to boxers who may not be as known or may not can speak english they like like they kind of like put them aside in the u.s that I know like to the where they don't tell their story well enough or they don't do them justice because your Dennis Ugas should have a bigger platform. He should be, uh, his story should be told a lot more. And I think he's a phenomenal fighter and he's been through a lot. And I feel like his story should have been definitely shown um, a lot more in this uh, leading up to the main event fight, um, but it wasn't. I just wanted to kind of like point that out because I didn't feel like it was just a big deal. But for somebody that's just a casual fan who is just watching it, I mean, you will be pulling for Abel Ramos because of the way that they uh, marketed the fight. And you can also tell by the way that the judges scored uh, this fight what happened. So now let's just get into the the main stuff that happened in this fight. So Dennis Ugas did a fantastic job throughout the whole 12 rounds doing the thing where he would throw this is his like signature in my opinion like he throws a double jab he's very good at throwing double jabs very good at throwing combinations uppercuts uh hook shots like just just throws good variety of punches but it always leads off his double jab like he just jab jab just do a fantastic job with that and abel ramos was just looking like um he was doing a good job one thing about abel ramos that's a big plus is that he has power do not underestimate Abel Ramos' power. Like, he didn't got them 20 KOs for nothing. Like, he can throw punches, man. And he got 20 KOs in 26 fights. That is a high percentage, or 26 wins. That's a high percentage of fights in which this man has knocked people out. So he does have power, and you even seen it in this fight because there was times where your, your Dennis Ugas would stumble a little bit. Like, it would seem like them punches did hurt like it did if it landed flush it did make uh your Dennis Ugas feel it and he his legs buckled a little bit he didn't get knocked down but I mean he definitely was phased um by his punches so that that is a big plus with him but throughout the fight mainly if it wasn't for those strong punches like that happen occasionally um or even to the sort of rarely like Abel Ramos was just looking like uh, just unaggressive. He was just like just getting tagged a lot and wasn't really 
doing anything to win anything in the scorecards. Like, mainly I thought that Adonis Ugas won at least, like, eight rounds to nine rounds out of the whole entire fight. And it was, like, pretty much convincingly he was winning those rounds because Abel Ramos was not throwing enough punches. So that's what I noticed. But, yeah, that's that's what I saw in this fight. And was really crazy was when the fight was over because Adonis Ugas was doing his thing. Um, the judges gave it a split decision in which they gave one of the scorecards as 115-113. Then, and that 115-113 was for Udonis Ugas, which I thought was too close. Then they had another one for Ugas, which was with, um, and I want to I just point these judges out because I feel like they definitely need to be known. Expose him! So the 115-113, it was two of them. One of the judges' name was Edward Hernandez Sr. He scored at 115-113 for Ugas, as well as Zachary Young. He scored at 115-113 for you, Dennis Ugas. I'm I'm okay with that decision because they still picked you, Dennis Ugas. However, uh, this person named Lou Moret. Expose him! Who was a judge, the third judge. He scored at 117-111 to 111 for Abel Ramos. What? I don't know what he was seeing, but that man should be retired from boxing, from judging. He should be retired. He should be fired from his position. I'm standing by that because this is the reason why people are being robbed for a lot of money. Like, if they would have gave this fight to Abel Ramos, if Dennis Ugas would have been taking a pay cut in a sense, like... And, and it's not fair. I feel like it's definitely not fair. I get tired of this happening. This, the, the thing that happened just recently, one of the biggest robberies of the year um, with uh, Roly Romero, man, like it's very frustrating when you keep seeing these judges like like just picking absurd like scorecards. Like you cannot do this. 117 to 111 for Abel Ramos when he didn't do much throughout the whole entire fight is just uh ridiculous man and i definitely want to point him out as the referee or as a judge uh lou moret because he should not be a judge anymore like get him out of here expose him because he's ruining boxing and imagine like like you a boxer you spend all your life boxing and trying to provide for your family and your friends and then you do all this hard work training camp, everything of that nature, putting yourself through a lot of grueling months, and then you get into the ring, you do your thing, you put in the work, and you defeat your opponent, but yet somebody robbed, a judge robs you, and then it can potentially, like, cause you and your family money. Like, that just gets on my last nerves in the sense of how that stuff happened. So, I just want to point those people out. Please, if anybody that's watching this that has some type of power, please make sure that uh, that judge does not get back in the ring. And that's all I have to say. And this concludes this episode of Silas of Boxing. I want to thank each and every one of you who listened all the way to the end. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a positive rating. And tell a friend to tell a friend if they're boxing fans because I'm going to continue to give our great content each and every week. Next week, or this upcoming week, we have Anthony Yard coming back into the ring. And then we have Mean Machine uh, getting into the ring. So be on the lookout for that. And God bless.